0: Well, should we go really long tonight and make him stay out with the kids that whole time? <laughs> Three, hours. <laughs> Three hours. Babysitting service. Well, I'm glad Scott's here tonight. I, mean, I might need you to help me. Because I've been thinking, he talked about, sun, Sunday he talked about what he saw about the dam. The It was like a dam. And there was what, an angel on each side? And the water was just trickling out right but it wasn't coming over yet. I've been thinking a lot about that this week a few weeks ago we were up at Gavin's point I guess right when you ever think of the dam I always think of Gavin's point Point. and we were up there and the water they had the gates completely shut off and the water was super low and we have we were in the boat and we were never up. I mean, we were right there. You could see the drains right at the bottom of the the gates. And it was just barely trickling through. But do you remember several years ago they had a lot of water that came, you remember that? Micah was little. We got pictures of him standing there and and there had so much water and they just opened the gates and it was just and people were just lined up to see it. So I was thinking about this. This is where I grew up. My dad worked there. It's about a mile north of Monroe. Is that me? That's you fishing. That's Mike fishing there. So maybe I'll go up here. So basically, this is like Gavin's Point, just a smaller version, and it's the powerhouse. And I grew up, my dad worked there, and there was a house right over here, and that's where we lived, about 15 yards from the front door. And so up the water comes, they take it out of the Loop River up by between Fullerton and Genoa and it runs down the canal and up above on the west side there, it's up high. And then right under here, on the inside, there's three different turbines and the water drops through a course and turns the turbines and makes the electricity. And it produces a lot of electricity when you've got a nice flow of water. And then back... Up underneath here and back is what they call the Tainer Gate. And if they have, even if the turbines are running and there's extra water, it's coming through there. But they can, if there's a real excess of water, like if they get heavy rains or something just to the west and it all pours in, they can shut the turbines down and they open that Tainer Gate and it comes through on this spillway. And I mean, it can come through hard. You don't see it very often. You can see right up above Mike's head, there's a horn. And then there's a sign. And the sign says, if you hear the horn go off, the water's going to come up fast. In other words, you better do something and get out of there. Just a side note for Lonnie. Way over here, there's a window and a little ladder, and that was made so that the guys working there could crawl out and walk along here and fix something. But we always, my dad always kept a gaff hook right by the back door, and back, especially like in the 60s when snagging was legal, they'd snag right off of there, and one summer, they he went over, he'd go, get the, they'd run over, they'd hook a big fish, and they'd yell at him, or run over and knock on our door, and He'd grab the gaff hook and run over and crawl out that window. And one year he landed over 50 fish that weighed 25 pounds or more. He kept a little calendar on it. So that was just kind of, just a side note, if just for, so, just yeah, he was just looking. Anyway, you can go to the next, <laughs> you can go to the next picture. This is a picture of the powerhouse from, going up the canal road, and our house was just to the left. And you can see that ledge that comes down there. You can go down there and sit and fish. There used to be a ledge on the south side just like it, but it's not there anymore. But the reason I was thinking about this was we moved up into that house when I was five, and the water right below there is pretty dangerous. It's about 20, 25 feet deep, and when the turbines are turning, there's a quite an undercurrent. And so when I was really little, I could never go across the road unless I was with somebody, and I had to wear a life jacket. And then then they made me take swimming lessons, or I got to take swimming lessons. Like yeah, I was a lot like Delray. <laughs> <laughs> and so they had to keep a tight rein on me. But, you know, as you got older, they started to trust me. And we fit, I mean, I was 10 yards from the best fishing hole in the state. I mean, it was a wonderful place to grow up. And we fished a lot on that ledge on the south side there, and there were stairs coming up there. And when I was, oh, I don't know, 13, 14 years old, and I had two cousins that I hung out with a lot, and they were a couple years younger than me, and we would fish down there all the time. And... This one day, I don't know, we were sitting down there and it was really hot. And we were fishing. I don't know why we were even wasting our time fishing down there. But it was just hot and we had nothing else. We were sitting down there. And the horn goes off, which means the water is going to come up really high. Well, one of the rules was is if I fished down on that ledge, we could sit down on that ledge or we can stood up against the back, but you could never hang your feet over or get down on that ledge. So technically, I was an obedient child. <laughs> never complain about your kids. My folks had to put up with me. So, so the horn went off and they shut the turbines down and they opened the tainer gate up wide. Full force. It doesn't... They don't do that very often. And that water started coming out of there with so much power. And it was so hot. So technically, we were behaving... We stayed on the ledge. And we just... That water would come out of there, and it hit, and it'd splash up, and it'd wash over us. And, oh, we thought that was really cool. Pretty stupid, but pretty cool. And then pretty soon... A dead cow comes through. I mean, that's big enough. A dead cow comes through there, and it slams down, and the waves throw it up, and it was stiff. All four legs were sitting, and the waves were just tossing that thing up in the air and up and down. And we're sitting there just having a a great time. It stunk pretty bad, but it was so entertaining. And about then, I looked up, And out the front door comes my dad, full force, both barrels screaming at me. So I knew, I knew better, but you know, whatever, don't, don't feel sorry if one of your kids gets hit in the head tonight with a water balloon accidentally, don't come crying to me. Anyway. So the, my two cousins headed up the steps and went to the house, but I knew Dad was coming for me. And my dad was never abusive. He was great. But he came running down, and I came up those steps and came running down this road. I mean going as hard as I could. And he was coming as hard as he could after me. And I, we it was about 110 that day, and we... Went down that road, probably a quarter of a mile, full blast, as hard as we could go. And I stayed ahead of him because I had a 10-yard lead on him. And we went hard. I was not going to let him catch me. <laughs> I, I might have been stupid, but I wasn't that stupid. I was not going to let him. I don't know what he would have done to me if he would have caught me. He wouldn't have, I don't know. And I think he was yelling at me all the way down the road. I don't know what he was yelling. And finally he kind of wore out. And I kept my distance and kind of turned around and just kept my distance. And and he finally turned around and went back home. And he went and loaded the two cousins up and hauled them into their grandmas in town. And I just, uh, down this road there's a shelter belt. I just stayed down there for a long time. <laughs> I did not want to go home. I did not. I just stayed there until he had time to cool off. And I tell you that story because when that water comes through there and it's controlled, it's profitable. It makes a lot of electricity and it helps a lot of people. But when it comes through there and it's dropping like that and there's no control of it, it's dangerous. And my dad was really ticked at me because not only was my life involved, but I was responsible for my two cousins. And I hadn't considered them or their parents or their grandparents or all those other people. And because of my foolishness, I put all of us in danger. And, and I, don't, I don't know when I finally did go home. I think my dad just knew Enough that I knew what I'd done, and that was enough. I warned you if the horn goes off. But anyway, so this is the thing. I believe that we're right now, just like Scott saw at this dam. This we're at a at place. There's a dam, and there's a, just a ton of power come, there available to us. But it's still, you know, and we're starting to tap into it in our worship services more and more and more. And I don't know if you sense the presence of God or not. But the presence of God is becoming stronger and stronger. And if you don't sense the presence of God, you need to understand and learn how to perceive when the presence of God comes in. But we're in a place like Scott talked about where there's a lot of power and it's ready to be unleashed. And we're just seeing a trickle of it. And that's good because I think that if we saw that full force, all those gates opened wide up, we're not ready for it yet. We can't handle it yet. We're not there. And so God's giving it out in a measure and another measure and another measure until we learn how to deal with it. One thing, I don't know if Mike Plain said this to everybody or just to us. He talked about how we, it's easy to get or easy to get the presence of God, but to learn how to handle the presence of God is the whole different thing. And, you know, and he talked about, and he mentioned after our worship that you go, he goes to a lot of places and they have good music. But there's no presence of God. It's entertainment. But we want the presence of God. Because the presence of God is what brings the power of God. And the thing we have to realize when that power is controlled, it blesses people. It's profitable. There's power to save. There's power to heal. There's power to deliver. And if ever the world needs that power, we need it now. And so, you know, he's talked about marshaling the forces and preparing. And that's really the season we're in. We're we're preparing and God is preparing a people. And I don't understand people that aren't hungry for that power. I don't understand people that aren't looking for that power. And I granted through the the last 10, 12, 20 years, the power has been a little subdued. And the presence of God has even been a little subdued, but it's increasing. We we were talking, um, this Micah and Mike and I, and you know, we've had we've seen people healed through the years, but in the last year we've seen some significant miracles with Jackson Steiner, with Lonnie, with Laura talked about a healing page, I think your leg. Um, Micah prayed for a guy at the Y and he was there. There's been an increase. There's an increase in the presence. There's an increase in the power. And we have got to learn more and more and more how to control that or handle it or how to use it wisely. And I know we've been really kind of pushing on this. You know, Micah talked about unity, the unity and the unison of our worship, it's so important. And yes, when we worship, it needs to be with our whole hearts. And there's emotion there. But we can't expect the emotion to bring the presence. It's the presence that should stir up the emotion. And so we have to learn how to control the power to make it the presence so that It's powerful so that it's profitable to all. That was the biggest thing my dad was mad about that day, was I was only thinking about my own pleasure, how much fun it was to get hit with the water and watch the cow flip up in the air. I wasn't thinking about anybody else. And that's why it's so important that when we come together, that we are in unison That our worship is in unison, that we're following after the Spirit of God, because there's more people involved than just me or just you. And what we do together, because the more we're together, the more, when that power, when that water is directed where it should be. There's a lot of force. And, and we under, you should understand that. You know, there's nothing nicer than sitting by a fire in the winter when it's cold. But if that fire is out of control, it's destructive. And, and we need the water. There's, you know, it's great just to go to the faucet and turn the water on. But we could see from three years ago water out of control. It's destructive. So we need to learn to control that. In Luke 21, 19, you don't need to turn there. You can study these out on your own sometime. It talks about by patience, possess your soul. In other words, we have to, we are a spirit. And our spirit man should be in control of our thought life, our emotions, our will, our intent. But it has to be by patience. And I know there's times where we want just God to just come in and just sweep us off our feet. But we've got to realize it isn't just for the bless me club. We've got to get out of the bless me club mentality and realize that that we have to be patient because God's going through a process of training in our lives. And I talked, gave that story about Oral Roberts, talked about, about a few weeks ago about the Arabian horses and how they train the Arabian horses and when they're just about totally dehydrated, they let them loose and they run to the water and they blow the whistle or give the command to stop and the ones that go ahead and drink fail the test, but the ones that stop and are totally obedient those are the ones that pass the test and go on because they need to be the, them to be totally obedient so that they are well taken care of in the desert and that 's where we are God needs us to be totally obedient and understand how to flow with the Spirit of God. We need to learn to possess our own souls. God is unable to use us to the fullest if we cannot. Possess our souls or control our lives. Control the power. You can look these up. First Thessalonians five six. It talks about being sober, but being sober means to be self controlled. Galatians five twenty three. Fruit of the Spirit. One of them is self control. Titus two twelve. Live soberly and self controlled. One time. One. We've got to divide rightly divide the word of God. One time in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost it talked about how they thought they were drunk. They were so out of control. All the rest of the word, Paul and Peter, and they're all giving instructions on how we should be self-controlled. How we need to control the power. Because we have power available to us through the, the resurrection power of Jesus. But we have to learn to control that that 's one thing, so we need to learn how to be obedient. We also have to be careful. It talks about in mark seven thirteen and Colossians two eight that the traditions of man make the Word of God of no effect, in other words, it makes the Word of God ineffectual. it makes the Word of God unpowerful and and we can we have to be careful not to get caught up in the old habits and the old traditions because God is doing a new thing. We're in a new era. God, see, For our church, so many of them, it started during COVID. I believe for us here, it started at the time of the flood. And God started to do a new thing, and there was a new expectancy, and there was new excitement, and there's new, more presence of God. And, and so God is... In the middle of doing a good thing. And one thing we have to be careful with is we have old habits or old traditions. And sometimes if God's not moving fast enough, we'll tend to want to go back to that. If we get still, you know, we'll get nervous. A lot of times you get people up here to pray. And it's like you don't know what to do with yourself, so they'll pray in tongues. And usually a minister, the people ministering will say, now just be still. Because it comes to a point where you have to just breathe in for God. And not just, it's, it's kind of a nervous reaction. And remember, I think it was Paige a couple weeks ago, and you, talk, you were up there and you talked about, um, was it step in to step forward or step out to step in? Okay, We have to be careful that we don't step back. We've got to step forward to step in. We've got to keep moving forward in the things of God. Oral Roberts used to say, a rut is nothing more than a grave with ends kicked out. No two services with Oral Roberts were ever the same. There was never, you were never bored. And the other thing they talked about Oral Roberts was, I knew him. You know, he would come to our volleyball games. We'd see him in chapel, but I didn't know him personally. But people that knew him personally said that when you went to pray with him, almost immediately there was a presence of God just poured out. He knew how to get into the presence of God. And one of the things was he never stayed in a rut. He always stayed open to what God was doing, and he was always moving forward. They always talk about Lester Summerall. Even that John Tash was here. He knew about Lester. Lester's house was built with the garage door in the front and garage door in the back because Lester said he was never going backwards, and he'd only drive into the garage and out going forwards. He was never going backwards. And, and so we have to be careful that we don't want to move back and be afraid or get nervous and go back to our traditions. Now, God's the same yesterday and Today forever, but his methods, some of his methods change because he understands our culture changes and people change. So when the presence of God comes in, it should bring a freshness. It should bring life. And if it's just the doll over and over and over, then we're, we're the ones missing it. So when it gets still in worship, don't get nervous. Don't go back to the old habits but we need to expect God. And I think the one thing about this group of people, we want to move a God. There's, there's nobody here, I, I believe, we want to move a God. We're hungry for the move of God. So we just need to learn how to operate in that. And one of the things is expect God. I think sometimes we've gotten so we're like a person with a lawnmower. Have you ever go out and you pull your lawnmower and it won't start? and then you pull it again, and you pull it again, and finally maybe it'll start. But what we're like, that's what it's been like in the last 20 years with God, we got to pull that thing and pull that thing. But right now, you pull it once, and it starts. And people are in the habit of pulling it so much, even when it started, they're trying to pull, they're trying to make something happen. And we don't want to do that. we got to recognize, Sunday... When Abe was up here and he said, everybody stand together and hold your hands, immediately the presence of God came in the place. We didn't even have to sing or worship. The presence of God was there immediately. And we don't want to miss that by just, we're not used to that. And so we got to pay attention to that. And when we do that, we honor God, you know. Sunday night, Mike Plain talked about honor and honor to where it's due. Well, God, the purpose of praise and worship is to get the presence of God here. So once we get the presence of God here, we don't want to overlook it or bypass it or keep looking for it when it's already here. Recognize the presence of God, the Mike Plain talked about it's not so hard to get the presence of God as it is to learn to know what to do and where it comes. And you say, well, you've done this for 40 years. You guys have been here. You should know what to do. It's all new. It's like going out and playing a whole different team that you've never played before. And yes, it's the same God. And yes, you can recognize the presence of God, but God wants to do some things new and different. And so we've got to be open for that. We've got to take time to hear from God and, and flow in that. We have to learn to interpret how the Spirit of God is moving. There are more scripture. This there, One of the things we can't do is try to conjure things up. And I think in the past, you know, people have tried to... The Spirit of God wasn't moving, so let's conjure something up. Conjuring is... To me is witchcraft. Sounds like witchcraft. When we're trying to make it happen out of our ability. Out of trying to force God into. That's like witchcraft. Let's just let go and let God do some things. There are more scriptures on being still. And on waiting on, waiting on God. Than there is about being. You know waving flags and blowing horns. And that whole thing. There's a time it talks about be still. And know that I'm God. Be still and, and, and listen. Sometimes we, we have to listen. God wants to manifest his presence and his power. But he will pull back if we don't even recognize or honor that presence. Look, Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I've been stuck here for a couple months. Sometimes I get stuck and I'll just go over it and over it and over it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll start... Firstly, in verse six, it says, "Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be self-controlled." Kenneth Hagin always talked about. He likes to watch and pray. He you know, just not close your eyes and pray. He said, I watch and pray. And he said, that's scriptural. Watch and pray. Pay attention to what's going on. But in verse 12, he says, and I urge you, brethren, to recognize those that labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, to warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Hold the weak. Be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone but always pursue what is good both to your and for all he's just giving directions to the church at Thessalonians rejoice always pray without ceasing in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus do not quench the spirit do not despise prophecies test or prove all things hold fast as what is good abstain from every form of evil now where it talks about do not quench the spirit My Bible, it's interesting. I'll read down the commentary. It says, The commands to do not quench the spirit and do not despise prophecies imply by their form in Greek that the Thessalonians were guilty of both. Paul counters these attitudes by endorsing tested, proven, and validated charismatic activities, anticipating the counsels of 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, which he later was to write back to Corinth, where he was when when he wrote these words. To quench, this is what's important, carries the idea of dampering the flame of the Holy Spirit. And and we we've talked you know we've talked about that through years. People are not responsive if you don't move with the Spirit of God. You're going to quench the Spirit of God. But also, the flame of the Holy Spirit can be dampened um, as it's poured out to purify, enlighten, warm, melt, and consume. But quenching may be either by inadequate, chilled response or an exaggerated, disruptive response. So that's what happens if, you know, you're in service and somebody's totally out of control. It's different if you go to a ball game and first inning, kid gets on. Next batter comes up, he gets a hit and drives in a run. You should be happy. You should cheer. There should be a response there. But it's totally different when you get to the ninth, the bottom of the ninth. You're down by two. There's two outs. Two runners on, and the kid gets up and hits a home run, and you get a walk off win. That's a different response than the first inning one. And sometimes people try to come and try to crank up a response that's over adequate, it's too emotional. And it quenches the spirit as much as being unresponsive. Because what happens when that overreactive, It causes everybody else to kind of want to pull back. It quenches that. And it quenches, we have to realize you can grieve the Holy Spirit. And if the presence of God is there and you're not paying attention to him, you're just doing your own thing. You're out doing the the flag wave or the whole thing. And you're not, that's going to grieve the Holy Spirit. And it will quench the Spirit of God. So God wants to manifest his presence his power, but he'll pull back if we don't even recognize or honor that presence. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit by irreverence or inattentiveness. Our focus should be on God, and we should not distract others from being able to hear God. Then we should also, and this is important, let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. And we'll end with this. Verses 1 and 2 says, finally, my brethren, and this is Paul giving directions again. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. Now, when I saw mutilation, I'm thinking they're like kids today. They're cutting themselves or something. And I think they did, probably. But really, what it talks about, the word mutilation is a parody. The legalists taught the necessity of circumcision, but in reality, a physical ritual without rightness of heart is nothing more than worthless mutilation of the flesh so in other words it really comes down the attitude of our hearts but then let's go on it talks about um, in verses 8 through 10 and this is Paul and he talks about in 3 through 7 all the different things he's been through and how he was zealous and how he persecuted the church and he says in verse eight, yet indeed, I can also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousnesses, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith, that. I may know him and the power of of his resurrection. That's our purpose. That's what we're trying to achieve here. That's why we keep going over this stuff and going over this stuff. We need to know him and the power of his resurrection because there is a world out there that needs that power. It's sitting there over that dam and it's waiting to be poured out. So what do we do now? We need to make sure that we take time individually to know him. We've got to take time to listen to him. If all you do, you know, people will get caught up and just routinely, rotely read the word of God. But what's God saying to you? You can pray in tongues. You can pray in tongues like a, like a trooper. But if you never take time to listen to God, there's, you know, there's a time to pray strong and there's a time to listen to God. And there's a there's a times, you know, and we've heard people ministers come in and they say, you know, you should be real reverent when you come in or be real. But and you should come and you should be just ready to worship. Ready. Sometimes you come in. I don't care how spiritual you are. There are times when you're going to come in here and you just need to be ministered to. And God desires to minister to his people. And we can't overlook that. There's a time when that presence and that refreshing of God comes in. And we need to let him refresh us. And we need to let him refresh the person next to us. and Because he comes in with that life. And that's one of the purposes of meeting corporately. So yes, when we worship, we need to not resist the spirit of God and, and stand and, and, and follow after God and worship from your own heart. But there is power when it's in unified control, when it's all together and we're all together, there is an unstoppable presence and power that that will bring. And we've got to quit thinking about it just being for our own needs. We've got to get out there. There is a world that needs that kind of power. And we come here, and we can tap into that. Then we can take it out, and we've got to have that mindset. So we are entering into a day. We're in a season of the manifested power of God. I believe that. I believe just what's got that. It's sitting there. It's waiting. Waiting to be in, and God's, I think he's going to keep cranking it open and cranking it open more and more. And sometimes we just think it's going to be, and it was on the day of Pentecost, if you think about it. But really, how long had they been in the upper room waiting for it? And we just see the, so we need to keep pressing in. We need to continue to try to flow together. We need to be spend time to get to know God. As a group, we need to know God in his power, and as individuals, we need to know God in his power. So I encourage you, make sure you take time to hear from God and 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 come expecting the presence of God. I think sometimes we just we've been there so long we just kind of forget to expect the presence of God, but he's showing up. And so, you know, I don't know about you. I I want the things of God. I want the presence of God. I don't want to quench the spirit. I don't want to you to be so reserved and afraid. Well, if I move out, you know, they're going to be bad. No, we're not. We're not going to be bad, but we need to be together, and we need to learn how to flow together because that's where the power of God is. And there's an-
1: you get something from the spirit of God and whether it be a word, a prophecy, um, or something, you know, there's an order in delivering that. And I, you know, with, with cornerstone, when we went to church there, they would have to go to the usher and the usher would come up front and communicate what that individual well, if the pastor didn't want to do that and felt maybe it wasn't for that service, you know, so we have to do things orderly to a, to a degree. You know, we want, we want to be inspired, but, and, and move out inspirational. And I, I really believe in the days ahead, we're going to see people are going to start moving out, but we need, there needs to be an order to it. So we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of things too, worship can become habitual. And I say that, I mean, yeah, we want a habit of worship, but you can, your worship, can become come become the form of a habit because you've done it for 20 years. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. That's a habit, and I've been guilty of that. I come in here many times, and I sing songs from the past. Mike and I probably sing songs from the 70s and the 80s, you know, because they're in me, and God doesn't care. I'm by myself. But God's doing fresh new things, too. And so many times what I'll do is I'll just start singing in the Spirit and and sing a new song, new lyrics, new words. Not every time, but we've just got to be, be you know, the Holy Spirit is the director here. He's the ultimate director. And then I have the responsibility of of, of trying to follow the Holy Spirit and see which way he wants to go. You know, and sometimes that's not always easy. So, in the days ahead, we we just need to be sensitive to one another and and um, come prayed up and come ready to worship. Amen. Anybody got any questions? Kathy will answer. Yeah.
0: pause, uh, yeah,
1: pause in it means be quiet you know some of us it's easier Lonnie's quiet you know I'm the preacher I can I can talk so that's good that's that's important. That's a good thing to point out. Anybody else have any questions? Michael, what moves your generation? What stirs your generation? What do you like to see in church? Presence, okay. I mean, do you think there's something specific your generation is hungry for or, or wants to see manifest or... Power, you—that's—that's that's what I want. You, you want the real thing. We want the real thing. So we're on a journey, folks. But uh, you know, we're in the right boat. We're headed the right direction. Amen. Anybody else have any comments or questions? I don't always do that, but. Hey,
2: why don't you use the mic? I'm the quiet one, <laughs> Diane probably don't even want me to go there, but about about six months ago, Mike and Mike knows it kind of affects me quite a bit, but I kind of grew up in a Methodist church, and some of the stuff we've done kind of was a little edgy on me you know i just get I've been getting used to it, but there was a time here a while back that Abe was singing some of the best songs and For a couple weeks there, the presence of God was just so, it was there. And this one service, it was just like the lights were shining in here. Then all of a sudden, this Indian warpath went on behind me. and it's like every light went out in here. And I got so stinking mad. And I just about walked out. And if I walk out, I ain't coming back. But it pissed me off. And, you know... People's got to think about them, other pe- about the people. Yeah, behind, behind you. you. And the, the worst part about it, we had a lot of visitors that week, and you really got to think about the people that are, if you want, want them to come back to this church, their first impression is what's going to bring them back to this church. So the quiet one's leaving. That's
1: pretty good for a Methodist yeah. boy.
0: It, then it's not real
1: true worship. Yeah. yeah. And see that's what what really upset Kathy and I and I know Nate and some of the others when we were down at Hanks which is a very prophetic conference and uh tremendous anointing but you have the flag wavers and you have the tambourine people. You know, um And I I had to really struggle to keep my mind and my physical man from going down the steps. And I finally went to an usher, and I said, they're out of order. Well, they went and did something about it. Now, understand, prophets draw weird people. If you don't understand the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, you're going to be a confused Christian. Because each one has a mantle. Each one has a different anointing. Todd White, is he different? But, oh, I like that. I like that Todd White difference. He can minister to total strangers. I You know, but so we have to be careful, you know. So... You know, we're going back down to the conference, and and I I want us as a church not only to sit there, but I want us to to work the conference and be available to be used of God, whether it be an usher or whatever. And uh, so we'll see what happens this next time. You might see a shofar get thrown through the air. I don't know. I have nothing against shofars if it's done at the right time. But if you're blowing that shofar just to let everybody know you can blow it, you're out of order. It's not God. We don't want to draw attention to ourselves. We want to draw attention to Jesus. Amen? Yeah.
3: This fits with what Pastor, Pastor Kathy shared and what uh, Scott shared. And I said this to Paige as we were, we were here early practicing some things. And I said, we're being stretched. You don't just go out and run a marathon. You have to work your way up to it. And you do that by stretching your muscles. You don't just start jacking three hundred on the plates, right? Just you have to work up to that. And that's what that's what God's doing right now. He's stretching us. We he can't we can't run the marathon right now. We've got to start with a mile. And um, the last couple of weeks in particular, for myself leading worship and even in our practices, I've been confused up here, but I've been at peace here. And even with what we did this past Sunday morning, this past Sunday night, and Brad can attest to this, we practiced Sunday night, but something wasn't right. And and I know you really, and I really liked it. The music was really good in practice. We didn't do any of those songs for service, because I knew by the Spirit, those aren't the right songs to do for service Sunday night. And, and my point being, God stretching me as a worshiper, And he's stretching us as a church. And we, as a church, one heart, one mind, one voice, we have to be willing to step into that together. Because there's going to be times, there's there's not going to be words up there. And it's got to come from our spirit. It's got to come from our heart. It can't be the same song that we've been singing. It is a new song. It's a new word. It's a fresh fire. And it's got to come from the spirit. We'll be united in spirit. We might be singing different things in harmony. We might be singing different things in the spirit, but it is unified. It is together. And so I'm encouraging you. That might be something new for you to do. Start doing it at home in your worship. Okay? You can sing without music. You can worship the Lord without music. You can sing a new song by yourself and to the Lord. Because when we come together, we're experiencing more of that in practice. And it's... It's amazing, it's incredible, and and I can't explain it, I can't, but we're unified when it happens, It's it's by the grace of God, and so I know he's stretching us as a church, that's one aspect of, I want to take you to a new place, I want to get you to the next, I want to open up the next, the next set for you and pour out a little bit more, so.
1: And and we need to get, as new people come in, we need to, the Bible says, know those whom you labor among. You got to get to, you, you got to learn to know somebody by the spirit. And that just only comes through times of worship and being together and fellowship. and And, you know, it takes time. And so God knows that. You know, we're getting new people and new visitors. You're going to have people like I had the young man that was in here. And, um, I prayed for him to get filled with the Holy Ghost, and he called, called me that week and said, What did you do to me? I said, I didn't do anything to you. God did. You're speaking in other tongues. You know, he was back the other Sunday, and, and, uh, but we've got people that don't have a clue what speaking in tongues is, singing in the Spirit, praying for the sick. Falling under the power of God, so we have to be sensitive to that there's, there's and there's going to be people come in or are going to just receive that and be hungry for it see that's the thing i don 't understand when I was a young man and got filled with the Holy Ghost. I wanted all of God I went after god i didn't want to I just had that and see so I have a hard time with people that are just kind of not sure i don't know. I have to deal with that with my heart and my attitude because I want God and I'm going after God. Get out of my way. So sometimes I can be bold and brash and, and, and I don't, I don't want to offend you, but I know what I want and I know where God's taking us. She knows where God's taking us. Are we going to make mistakes? Yes. Am I going to make mistakes? Yes. Are you going to make mistakes? Are we all going to make mistake? Yes. But God forgives. And he'll always give us another opportunity if we keep our hearts right. Amen. Let's stand up. Anything you want to pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Father, for your word, for enlightening us tonight, giving us understanding to know how to flow with you, Holy Spirit, in the days ahead. We don't ever want to quench the spirit of god we never want to grieve you but we're human vessels and we're going to make mistakes and i know you know that holy ghost and you'll always give us another opportunity if we re- if we repent so father in the days ahead i pray that you continue to knit our hearts in love i thank you holy spirit for your grace manifested. You are the spirit of grace. So I thank you for grace to worship in the days ahead and to flow together in unity in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you want to go out and have somebody throw a water balloon at you, you're more than welcome to do that, but just don't track in the water when you come back. Amen. God bless you.